Today's America, it seems like there are far too many have-nots. Casualties of a society that's too busy to care about the less fortunate. Hi, I'm Karen Cunterson of the Marijuana Relief Fund. Did you know that one in every seven stoned Americans will injure their mouth cavity this year trying to eat food that is far too hot? They turn. You're These catastrophic injuries happen every day to ordinary fat, lazy folks like you. <laughs> you can help. By giving just a dollar a day, you can provide a persistent reminder to an American stoner of the danger of hot food while under the influence of marijuana. You are too high. Please wait before consuming your snack. You are too high. <laughs> oh yeah, I totally knew that. <laughs> As many of you are personally aware, marijuana users are very stupid and very dangerous to themselves and to others. Please, give generously. Thank you, Marijuana Relief Fund. Hey, does anybody have a lighter? You're listening to Bricolage. Truth, comedy, politics. With your host, Lev. On this episode of Bricolage, we'll hear a clip from a new parenting podcast and talk to a real live Christian conservative. You smarmy liberal coastal elites won't believe it. He hates Trump, reveres Jesus, and loves Radiohead. My old friend Brandon joins the Brick Plus trivia. But first, sponsors. This episode of Bricolage is brought to you by Watershed, a bar in Carroll Gardens, Brooklyn, on the corner of Court Street and 9th. Also, finding the right comeback role can be difficult. You don't always have your pick of scripts and projects. Reintroducing Kevin Spacey in The Harvey Weinstein Story. And finally, this episode of Bricolage is brought to you by 24-Hour ATMs. When you need several hundred dollars in cash, it's three in the morning, and it's definitely for something other than drugs. Time for Bricolage Trivia with Josh Ellis. Now here's the question. Put these American Dialect Society words of the year in order from earliest to most recent. The words are vape, hashtag, tweet, and bailout. Once again, put these American Dialect Society words of the year in order from earliest to most recent. Vape, hashtag, tweet, and bailout. This is my friend Brandon from law school. We were in the same small first-year law school section of about 30 people, and we used to study together along with a few others almost every day after classes ended during that first year. Brandon gave me the best nickname anyone has ever given me, the good Leverant. Nobody uses it but him, but... Uh, and I mean it when I say it. Sure, sure. You're the only person who's ever invoked uh, the word of God to nickname me, and I appreciate that. Well, hey, you know, one does what one can. <laughs> we used to talk about culture and politics and law and test strategies and, and whatever. My pleasure to welcome Fort Worth, Texas's own Brandon 
Holder. How are you, sir? I'm well, man. I'm well. How are you? I am good. How is your daughter, your wonderful daughter? Oh, man. Let me tell you. I mean, look, I'll keep it brief. She's a marvel, man. Watching her learn things. She's five, about to be six. And watching her slowly begin to apprehend the world around her is just, uh, it's its difficult to describe how satisfying it is. It's exciting. Very exciting. Oh, man, I bet. Well, as you know, I have children all over the state of Texas and the nation of Japan. <laughs> well, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know that, Eric, but I, I, I strongly suspected it. Given, given your demeanor uh, in law school and some of the things that you said, that doesn't surprise me at all, actually. <laughs> Before we get into, into politics, I just want to start with the things that I think we agree on. Okay. Because I think in today's uh, hyper-polarized climate, sometimes we lose sight of the things that we agree on. And I think you and I agree on far more than we disagree on. I think that's true. And if I might note, you know, I I think that the advent of social media has really exacerbated the problem of polarization. We agree on everything you just said about the internet being simultaneously the greatest gift to human communication and perhaps the greatest scourge that uh, prevents actual communication. I agree. Other things we agree on. Radiohead is the greatest band of our generation? Yes. Uh, well, I would no, I would go farther than that. I would say Radiohead is the greatest band of all time. Uh, well, that's I mean that's insane. You can't no, say that. No, it's not insane. Okay. No. Well, let's start let's let's hold on to things we agree on. The Wire is the greatest television show ever made. David Simon is a genius. It is the greatest show ever made. Donald Trump is a fat sack religious embarrassment with an inappropriate appreciation of his oldest daughter. Uh, there are a number of things that alarm me about Donald Trump. And let me just say, as somebody who is, or has until very recently been diehard GOP, I'm embarrassed by him. I really think that his nomination was a black swan event. I mean, you had Jeb Bush, for example, dropping $40 million on negative ads for Rubio in New Hampshire, I think it was, and leaving Trump alone. All the while, he's getting stronger and stronger and stronger. It was really, it's like a slow-rolling disaster. Correct me if I'm wrong, you were a registered Democrat for many years. Well, you gotta understand. You know, I grew up in Lubbock, Texas. My granddad was a trial attorney out there, and he, you know, he actually ran uh, on the Democratic ticket for, like, state rep or something back in the late 80s or something like that. But being a liberal or a Democrat in Texas I have discovered is far different than being a Democrat on the coasts or in Chicago. Oh, yeah. Democrats in Texas are for sure moderates, possibly even Republicans in New York. Well, and and, and here's the thing. I mean, here's my concern. It's a concern that I've always had. And even as, you know, my principles have grown more conservative, I think that it's just a matter of respecting humanity to have some sort of meaningful social safety net. You know, I haven't really thought through all the implications, but at this point I'm, I'm kind of a modified libertarian in that I do generally believe in decentralization of power, which I think some progressives are coming to appreciate, given that you can go to Washington State and not have to deal with, generally speaking, crazy, you know, Republican hicks and so on. So I, I do think that there, the you know, principles of federalism benefit everybody. And you can also go to Washington State and enjoy the pleasures of legalized marijuana, Marijuana obviously has no business being a Schedule One narcotic. I think that's something we can agree on. It is not as dangerous as heroin. No. In fact, you know, I'm going to get myself in trouble on this, but honestly, 
you know, if I'm being candid, I think the criminal penalties for marijuana possession and sale are far too stringent. I believe that they impact minority communities in a way that is so inequitable. It's not just marijuana where the penalties for drug... No, that's true. No, that's true. That's true. Although I do think the policy reasons for scheduling drugs in the first place are more appropriately applied to drugs like cocaine. And heroin. Another thing you and I agree on, obviously, is that drug addiction should be treated as a medical problem, not as a jailable offense. Yes and no. I do think people who deal heroin and are addicted, say, simultaneously, ought to face the brunt of the application of our laws. I think that that's a good thing. But think about how many rich people in this country just get their psychiatrist or their family physician to prescribe them medication that is essentially performing I agree. the I, I agree with you. But it's just not illegal, right? So it's, it's again, it's an economic issue. And you were talking about people of color and, and minorities being disparately impacted by unfair, I should say, you used the word, inequitable drug policies. Right. I absolutely agree with you. Heroin is dangerous and bad. I think you and I are very brave for coming out and saying heroin bad. <laughs> no, that's 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 a bandwagon. I think we can all get on. Okay, cool, 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 cool. Right. I think we're I think we've done we're making some progress here. There's lots that we agree on. Yes. Getting back to the GOP primary, I want to I want to put something out there. I hope you'll agree with this sentence. I am not contrary to the fact that I wore tie dye quite a bit in college. I am not a bleeding heart, let's throw away all of our weapons and sing kumbaya and change Hitler's gender and no more conflict anywhere. Right. I like to consider myself a, a, a moderate. From my perspective, I think in a different era, perhaps following a president who wasn't so, I would say, unfairly, perhaps you'd disagree with that assessment, unfairly lampooned and victimized by the, the far right. Oh boy, yeah. Yeah, well, we're gonna get. We'll get to Obama. We'll get to Obama. No, Hold you on. can't. You don't. You can't throw Obama on the in the portion of the show that we're supposed to be agreeing with one another. Okay, we'll get to. Okay, well, fine. Coming on the heels of a polarizing president in Barack Hussein Obama, uh, you know, you had an electorate in the Republican Party that was very fragmented, as the country is. You know, yes. one of the things about the internet, obviously, is that you have all these disparate groups and they right. all can agree on certain things and they get to feel bigger and they get to amplify their message because there's, right. there's other people who are listening to them and they're only, everybody's in their own echo chamber, right? So you had 16 candidates and in 2020, the Democrats are obviously going to throw several dozen candidates out there and Trump might get primaried. So a lot of this is the result of a hyper-fragmented culture on both sides. But what I was going to say is I think the natural inheritor of the GOP mantle in 2016 and the person with whom I disagree on much but with whom I would be I would have been very happy to see become president, I, I, I probably still would have voted for Hillary I know, Clinton. No, I already know where you're going. I, can I tell you who it is? Who is I it? Know who it is. It's John Kasich, Of man. course it's John Kasich. Of, of course, course it is. John I developed a real antipathy. John Kasich did in this primary because he wouldn't drop out. He would not drop out. He lost like 24 straight primaries, man. Like he won zero of them. But he also and, won Ohio. Well, yeah, of course he's going to win in Ohio. Of course he's going to win in Ohio. Come well, on. Rubio didn't win in Florida. I right, look, trust me. I'm I, look. 
my love for Marco Rubio is difficult to put into words. I'm sorry. So Rubio was your guy. Oh, dude. Yeah. There, there are instances in where, I mean, we run up, I mean, because reality is complex. I mean, I think you would agree. And so we each have, you know, these, you know, I'm, I'm with the GOP. You lean more, I think, to the Democratic well, side. Well, I, I must. I have never registered for a political party. But when the Republican Party is not a realistic, reasonable party right now, they have no intention of governing, certainly not at the national level. I think that's unfair to say it that way. Look who won the primary. You could say it was an anomaly, but it wasn't. No, it was. Oh, yes, it was. It was a black swan event, man. Are you kidding me? There were people resisting Trump. Absolutely. There are people resisting Trump still on in the Republican Party. I totally 100% agree with you. About but it's that. more than that. I'm saying more than that. What I'm saying is if you look at his vote percentage during the primaries, if the other candidates had done the right thing and just said, okay, it's Jeb, it's Marco, whatever, and consolidated into a non-Trump choice. I mean, he only got, like, in these primaries, like 35%, 40% of the vote while it was still competitive, you see? And so while I acknowledge that there is certainly a taste for whatever it is, I mean, it's as far as I'm concerned, what Trump's doing is performance art. Well, it's pop it's populism, right? People are struggling. He's talking shit on immigrants. He's talking right. shit on Muslims. Right. The three M's, right? Muslims, Mexicans, and the media. Would you support it? Would you support a Republican who primaries him? Absolutely. Are you kidding? I'm I'm praying that we have somebody that primaries him. I don't know. I mean, just because of the nature of incumbency, I don't know that that's ever going to happen. We're being candid with one another. I think the way the media behaved during Barack Obama's administration is absolutely shameful shameful i'm not trying to get far i really do want to talk about radiohead can we talk about radiohead we'll get to obama in a bit let's talk about radiohead so okay you and i have had many talks about radiohead that's true i believe that kid a is their greatest album it's great but it's i mean it's top three but i mean i don't understand honestly how people can make an argument that any album of radioheads or anyone else's for that matter and this is another controversial thing i believe okay computer is the greatest rock album of all time. It just is. There's not a bad song. And if you look at the progress of Radiohead from Pablo Honey to the Benz to OK Computer, you see this, a band becoming more comfortable with the use of electronics. And so... Yeah, but not really comfortable with electronics until Kid A when Tom York was like, hey, uh, just put the guitar down. You don't even need it right, for these right. songs. Right, right. What I'm saying is, and what I was intending to say is that OK Computer was like the perfect blend of standard rock oh, band see, instruments, guitar based drums, and synthesis. I mean, Paranoid Android, are you kidding me? Exit music for a film. There's not a bad song on that album. You know what the underappreciated gem of Radiohead's catalog is? What? Tales of the Thief. Oh, interesting. I didn't like it at first. Well, you probably wouldn't because I believe the thief is George W. Bush. Well, I, you know, you may recall, I didn't particularly like George W. Bush when we were in law school, you know? That's true. I don't think many Americans liked him in 2008 when we started law school. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, yeah, I mean, the TV was on all the time, and we watched the market tank. The other thing is uh, George W. Bush looks like Gandhi now. He's really bad. <laughs> well, see, and, that, and honestly, as a conservative, let me just say, the apologies from Bill Maher et al. regarding how they demonized good and principled guys like Mitt Romney. I mean, come the f Well, I'm sorry. Edit that out. I mean, come on. He called Russia before anybody did. What are you talking about? Democratic presidents have been critical of Russia. No, no, no. No, okay. But what I mean is, you remember, I mean, Barack Obama got his little zinger in at the uh, 2012 CNN debate. The 80s called. They want their foreign policy back. Well, who's laughing now, man? Come on. Paul Begala was like on Twitter, like, I mean, oh, what a slam. What a jab. 
Paul Begala wasn't part of the Obama administration. He was part of the Clinton administration. And by the way, a wonderful alumnus of the great University of Texas at Austin. He is certainly an alumnus. That's literally all you'll grant him is he's an alumnus? That's factual. He is an no, alumnus. No, he's, he's a smart guy. But, you know, just I think anybody that associates with Clinton becomes oily by extension. As opposed to Karl Rove, who, who's a sweet caretaker well, okay all right yeah, that's touche can you make me a promise that you'll like bleep out any f-bomb that slips out when we have that if you curse you want me to bleep it out yeah yeah well you know because I, I i just uh you know i'm trying to do right wait can we actually is cursing a sin no well yes and no i'm good thanks man my, my buddy just offered to make me a quesadilla he's a good friend um <laughs> uh so uh anyway not necessarily i don't have a conviction about it per se, but I do know that there are people whom I love that it offends. But the Bible doesn't say anything about curse word, does it? Well, Paul says, don't let any corrupt communication proceed out of your mouths, except what is good. Dog, uh, except what is good for uh, edifying others. I like that you dropped an S bomb while making this I know. point. <laughs> I, you know, I'm conflicted. Human life is complicated and nuanced, and and you know, I'm not where I need to be yet. So, but it's a process. Hey everybody, my name is Todd. This is my show about being a parent. I call it Parent Todd. I know that I can be Parent Todd! If you'll let me. Okay, let's get started. For today's show, I'll be talking with Suzanne and Marty Henderson whose child has just begun hormone therapy at 14 months. Well, without further ado, I know that I am embarrassing myself with excitement right now, but here we are. Suzanne and Marty Henderson. Hello. Hi, hey, Todd. How's it going? Not all at once now. <laughs> I feel like a lot of phones and podcast devices are breaking from our enthusiasm for parenting here. <laughs> Why don't you tell us a little bit about yourselves? Sure. Yeah, go for it. Um, it's pretty simple, really. I subscribe to a mantra, and the mantra's... Live your best life. Yeah. Well, speaking of mantras, it looks like you've got some tattoos there. Yeah. I have fall back tattooed on my left palm, and I have spring ahead right there on my right thumb. Okay. Uh, What about you, Marty? I'm the one who makes a living. Well, you must both be parents since you're right here on Parent Todd. So why don't you tell us about your child. Yeah, we knew pretty much right away that Cedric was born into the wrong body. Yeah, well, uh, Suzanne noticed it before me, even before the doctors. I just thought, look, you know, kids cry, right? Z was screaming Z's little head off. I just knew it was obvious. We had to chop Z's little dick off. And to be clear, I understand that when you say Z, that's both the child's nickname, Zedric, or just Z for short, and Zedric's chosen pronoun. How did Z elect a pronoun? 
When Z was about four months old, we drew a few options on the floor and let Z crawl to whichever option Z felt most comfortable with. Z chose for Zemself. Isn't that wonderful? Here's some other stuff that Zedric chose for Zemself. Uh, Z wanted my wife's breast over a bottle. Z chose to poop in Z's pants instead of not doing that. Smart kid, Z. Children are happiest making their own decisions. There's no reason to let our preconceptions get in the way, you know? Right, right. Jesus. We're talking politics, but you know, that is something in my estimation that transcends politics. Absolutely. Politics is personal and faith is the most personal thing you can have, but, right? But more than that, you know, it's I think the way that the right reverend Robert Jeffress of First Baptist Dallas has promoted and and the things he said about Trump are absolutely shameful. He is the pastor of the biggest Baptist church in Dallas. It's in downtown Dallas. has been there forever. It's an institution. I'm paraphrasing, but the issue came up about national security. This guy, this ostensible Christian, gets on the air and says he'd rather have Donald Trump for president than Jesus. And uh, that is so flabbergastingly terrible. I mean, as a Christian, I mean, I just cringed. I don't think it would be possible to create in a lab somebody more antithetical to the person and teaching of Jesus than Donald Trump. I don't. His demeanor, the way he treats people, the way he disrespects women. I mean, his whole history, man. Why do you think so many evangelicals, and I use that word in the way the mainstream media uses it, which is to mean far-right Christians in the southern part of the United States, by and large. Why do you think so many of them just didn't care and voted for him anyways? I'm certain that there were some who didn't care. Oddly, there was a poll done in the beginning of the primary or mid-primary that showed there was an inverse relationship between church attendance and support for Donald Trump. So many people that are called evangelical don't attend church and aren't really serious about their relationship with Jesus. They don't care. Right. And it's also cultural on some level, right? Some people, if you're from a small town and your family goes and your friends go, then you go to church. Oh, yes. I think the sort of new, you know, and I hate to call it evangelical because that, you know, I think that they stole that word from you. You're, you're as as an actual person who evangelizes the word of God, right. you're appalled that the word evangelical and the and the the you know its root word from the Greek, from the Latin, etc., have been co-opted by this movement, yes. which was in many ways a political movement, not a faith movement. Right, and that's and and that and that gets to one of the fundamental problems. You know, Jerry Falwell was sort of the I guess the spearhead of the moral majority movement. That is that Christians can, through electoral processes, seize the levers of power and bring about a moral society, et cetera, et cetera. That attempt, that idea 
is antithetical to what Jesus taught. And and just to be clear, I did not vote for Donald Trump. I wrote in Evan McMullen because I could not in good conscience vote for somebody I think has uh, displayed some very disturbing tendencies. I think the word fascist is overused, but definitionally, I think some of the things that he's talking about are fascism. But here's the thing. I also thought that progressives under Barack Obama were also very totalitarian, very strident, and, and that gets to the reason why so many evangelicals pulled the lever for Trump. But you just got finished telling me that most of the people that voted for Trump aren't actually Christian. No, no, I, I hear what you're saying, but, but, but let me just say this. You know, even before, I would put this 2014-ish, and before that, at this point, the way politics works in America, I mean, so much now is decided by the United States Supreme Court that it becomes almost like that's why Donald Trump got some evangelical votes, because the Federalist Society and Heritage gave him a cheat sheet of judicial candidates, and then he picked Gorsuch off of the list. That's right. If the Supreme Court is deciding issues like whether or not I, as a baker, have to participate in a same-sex nuptial, if, in fact, those things are going to be decided with increasing regularity by the Supreme Court, I'll vote for Donald Trump the charlatan to get the judiciary that's going to protect my right to be faithful to what I believe the scriptures say is true. There is a progressivism right now that is taking no prisoners. Are you familiar with a fellow by the name of Brendan Eich? Brendan Eich, as I understand it, was the inventor or co-inventor of JavaScript. I believe he was made, I don't know, CEO of Mozilla and uh, Mozilla Firefox, I mean. Right, and then he got forced to resign because people were so upset about it, right, with gay marriage? Right, because he donated $1,000. Look, there is absolutely, you're right, that there is unfair outrage over people having beliefs that somehow fall out of the progressive liberal orthodoxy. I think you're making a very fair, valid point that that is a problem. Obviously, I would make some similar concessions. Historically, there are many things that have been done in the name of Jesus that are absolutely appalling. Things done in the name of religion generally. Forget about just Jesus. That's true. You've got to understand. Conservatives view ABC, NBC, CBS, MSNBC, CNN. Fox is ridiculous, okay? So I'm not suggesting Fox is better. Fox is hilariously bad. But the other guys are a lot better than five. It sounds like you agree. Okay, yes and no. There are guys that I respect. Jake Tapper comes to mind. He's my favorite guy on a network that I don't like. Here's my problem. Some of the stories that they would report during Obama's tenure, and then some of the stories that they wouldn't report, were just ridiculous. I mean, you know, the Lois Lerner thing, the IRS thing, that's a big freaking deal, man. What she was doing, and in fact, I would commend you to a work by Kimberly Strassel. You may know she is on the editorial board of the Wall Street Journal. Look, the IRS, properly understood, is the most coercive agency under the executive penumbra. I mean, they can throw you in jail. They can take money from Were you. Were any conservatives thrown in jail by Lois Lerner? Uh, no. Well, I mean, no. I think the answer is no. No, those are two separate things. Okay. What the issue is, I mean, is, okay, so you're coming in 2012. It's an election year, hotly contested. You've got Romney. You've got Barack Obama. The way that people can communicate now, you have to have money to participate in the process. You do. And so what Lois Lerner did, 
and which is indisputable, as I understand it at this point, she illegally targeted groups as a result of them not having 501c4 status. Donors weren't as likely to give to them. You're a lawyer, man. They sent them. Not a good one. No, you're fantastic. (laughs) As far as I'm concerned, you can bend spoons with your mind, man. I know how it works. They were not permitted to assault politically in, in in a legitimate way Barack Obama and his administration. Kimberly Strassel, Wall Street Journal editor, intimidation game lays out the whole case and it's compelling that's all i'll say okay i i think we're there let's talk about the 44th president of the united states Uh barack obama from the minute he took office was opposed in every way by a gop hell-bent on ensuring that he would not be reelected. oh that's right that's right because and only because the gop is racist and barack obama i did not say that no 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 you didn't say that i don't think it was because of race i think it was because of politics obama was a well-intentioned man. Colin Powell said in his endorsement of Obama in 2008 that Obama demonstrates, quote, the kind of calm, patient, intellectual, steady approach to problem solving I think we need in this country. That's a quotation of Colin Powell, certainly no liberal. I mean, he's a moderate. Support for Barack Obama is de facto not conservative because, look, obviously. But that shouldn't be the way it is. You should be able to agree and disagree with somebody without it being conservative. Like like when, uh, like that time when Barack Obama compared GOP leaders to hardliners in Tehran, like that kind of unifying language. I'm not familiar with that, but Barack Obama, when he said that far-right voters cling to their guns and Bibles, that's a factual statement. It's also pejorative in the way he... But why is it pejorative if it's factual? No, 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 no. no. One can say things in such a way that it's dismissive, Eric, and the idea that these people that don't vote for progressive candidates are somehow... But you have... you, You don't like Barack Obama in part perhaps in large part, because you feel he has veered away from what you believe strongly in the the Christian teachings. No, no, no. I make a distinction between what is scriptural and what is theological and what is political. I believe that conservative principles, and and what I mean is of the Buckley variety, is better for human flourishing than progressivism and liberalism. I believe that. Surely we can agree that conservatism at its root, it means to conserve. So conservatives should be pro-environment, right? Yes. And that, you know, I, I think that, you you know, and I'm no expert on global warming, and so you know, I'm, I may say something that's embarrassingly wrong. But I don't know any conservatives, certainly none that I hang out with, that would deny that man is contributing in some way to climate change. But you keep voting for people who govern as though that's true. Well, but see, but that's but that's just it. First of all, we live in a two-party system, man. What are we supposed to do? So your faith, your personal faith, and your Christian conviction, you place a higher emphasis on that than the conservative of the environment and the planet. As properly understood, Christianity requires us to steward the planet on behalf, in some sense, of God, that we are to take care of what he's given us. In that sense, of course, Christians should be environmentalists. Where I have a problem and where I have some skepticism is I think the consequences of climate change have been overstated. I really do. And I also think there's a cost-benefit analysis that has to happen. I mean, you've got these developing countries that need energy, and that if they have energy, they can better their society. They can. But have- we're a country that can afford to subsidize both the financial costs and the global environmental costs of countries. But if we do that, we're, I mean, there is, we, we get hit real hard on being able to be competitive. I mean, again, I honestly don't feel qualified to talk much about global warming or macroeconomics generally. I don't know. Well, I don't feel qualified to talk about anything. That's why I brought you on my shitty podcast so we could talk about <laughs> stupid nonsense and <laughs> pretend we're intellectuals.
for Bricolage Trivia Answers with Josh Ellis. The question was, put these American Dialect Society words of the year in order from earliest to most recent. The words were vape, hashtag, tweet, and bailout. In 2008, as America was dealing with the Great Recession, bailout was on everyone's mind. The following year, as Twitter went mainstream, everybody was talking about tweets. Three years later, in 2012, we were all hashtagging, and of course 2014 was the year of the vape. Name the following issues in order of importance to you, Brandon, in choosing a national and state candidate. That you that you like abortion, okay. foreign policy, okay. domestic policies like health insurance, okay. homosexual rights. Well, see, I would label homosexual rights as the uh, the other side of the coin, so to speak, of religious freedom. And because I view that as so, that's your number one. Religious freedom oh, is your number oh, one. Oh, for sure. Okay, for sure. But but don't but don't but hear me out, man. Don't. I'm not saying. Look, it's the law of the land. These people can be married. They ought to be able to be married. You know, uh, to the extent that they're gaining some sort of fleeting happiness in this world then you know that's great okay what do you mean fleeting why is it fleeting because it's sin and in the next life they will no, well yeah i mean that's that's essentially it that we can you know former druggies and philanderers we can for a limited time get on board with god's order by believing the gospel so by finding salvation in life well yes and no jesus said it like this he who loves his life will lose it He who loses his life for my sake will find it to life eternal. Paul said it like this. He says, if in this life only we have faith in in Christ, we are of all men most pitiable. In other words, the Christian is limiting himself. The Christian is disciplining himself. And if this life is all there is, what a joke. What a joke that would be. But what about about the rights of the people who don't believe that what you're saying is— Yes, we have the Westboro Baptist Church fanatic, ridiculous, couldn't be wronger, makes me want to kick them where it hurts. Because properly understood, Christianity says these people, these gay people, are created in the image of God, and therefore they have inherent dignity. So any approach from the Christian community that does not respect the humanity of gay people is misguided. But is that is that really the most important issue? Is religious freedom really the most important issue to day-to-day how you live your yes. life? You, you personally, yes. Brandon, you personally, you feel like you are not able to live your Christian faith the way that you ordinarily would be able. Like, I just don't understand why you need to put that as the top emphasis. No. When you are not, like, you live a pretty comfortable life. Things are, correct me if I'm wrong, things are things are good right, for you. Right, No, that's all, that, that, no. But, but see, that's the thing. I mean, you know, the call of Jesus, historical call of Christianity is that we place our relationship with God over what anything about, else. What about foreign policy? What about having health care for all these people? What about the safety net? You laid them all out and asked me to rank them. Because uh, I'm a dick. I, I, it was a gotcha question, just like Sarah Palin. What books do you read? Yo, boy. God, <laughs> what don't, what don't, do you read, Sarah? Don't go there, man. Don't go there. <laughs> In ranking, it's not to suggest that the others are unimportant. If I am compelled to choose one of those issues, it will be religious freedom. Because right now, it's a gay 
everything. You need to affirm our marriage by participating in our ceremony. But it's more than that. It's the idea that my conscience before God is more important to me than my house, than my daughter, than my life. It is the fundamental thing. Not the gay thing particularly. I don't misunderstand me. Really? The more important than your daughter? My relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ is more important to me than my daughter. It's more important to me than my own life. But your connection to God is more important than your daughter. That is insane to me. I'm, I'm just being honest with you. I'm sorry if that comes off as offensive. I don't mean it that way. No, no, no. You've been very charitable to me, man, and I'm grateful. Uh, it's not that. It's that I and other followers of Jesus see in Jesus the most beautiful being that has ever walked the face of the earth. And don't get me wrong, my daughter is, I mean, other than, than Jesus, my daughter is certainly the most important thing in my life. I, 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 I adore her. But Jesus basically put us in a position where the priority is him. The priority is him. And because he is, in fact, God, and because he is, in fact, so beautiful, we feel compelled. What else can we do? Where else can we go? We have discovered, I don't know, I hate this expression, but say the meaning of life. The New Testament is very clear that fathers better take care of their kids. And that if you are a father who has abandoned your kids, left them destitute, you're worse than an unbeliever, Paul says. So I don't mean to suggest that my daughter, I mean, my daughter gets my undivided attention when I have her. Do you understand what I'm saying? I mean, I, I and not only that, I'm smitten with her. I mean, she's... You you asked me about her earlier. She is, I mean, brilliant, man. I mean, she's already developing this like sophisticated sense of humor that is just so delightful. So I love her very much. But if it came down to Brandon, you can have your daughter if you'll deny Christ. By God's grace, if I were put in that position, I would choose Jesus. I really would, man. You know, and I know that that... I know it's difficult to understand, and, and, and no, it's 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 um uh, you, again, you just have to understand the way that I was raised, and you and I have talked about this a lot. But I I grew up in a very secular household. I grew up Jewish, obviously Jewish, as they say. Right. <laughs> I like that. I like that. I hadn't heard that before. <laughs> yeah, it's like a joke they tell on birthright. I, I can't take credit for it. It's probably written in an MIT lab to garner mass appeal for Israel in the process. Dude, all I'm saying is, look, I have so much respect for Jewish culture, dude. I mean. The Coen brothers, for example, <laughs> are my favorite directors, period. I mean, they just, they're just so brilliant. And, you know, uh, A Serious Man was really, I think, uh, a consideration of the book of Job in modern times. I, I could be incorrect about that, and I don't mean to speak for the Coens, but that's that's how it struck me. I grew up on Long Island, which which can be conservative. In fact, Suffolk County went for Trump. I grew up in Nassau County, but it was relatively close as between Trump and Hillary in Nassau County. Right. So, you know, I did not grow up in New York City, and I, I think that's important, and maybe that's one of the reasons why I, I at least I aspire to understand people with whom I disagree, and I don't... I. I very much thumb my nose at people who thumb their noses at people they disagree with. Right. No. And I think, and, and that's, and listen, I'm telling you, that's all Christians are asking for. We're not asking for the world. We just want to be free to live in accordance with what we believe is true. But do you feel that America today threatens your ability to live that way? That's what I'm, that's what I don't understand. Right. And that's, and that's when I go back to Bruni and, and Clinton and Tushnet and these people. So your concern is around some left-wing academics who've written some stuff that's highly critical, that's basically like, we won, now let's crush them. As that's opposed basically. to the prevailing consensus on the left, I certainly from me, forget about the left, from me, that nobody won, 
but we want to provide a country that is, that enables the broadest swath of people to live in the most comfortable, most safe, sure. most stable, most secure, all of that. Right. But see, but look what happens in reality, man. I mean, look what happens to people who dare, dare question the validity of same-sex marriage or suggest in any way that there may be something that's not quite right about it. I'm being candid with you because you're my friend, but I mean, these things, these are dynamite now. I mean, it's dynamite. You were talking about how you occasionally feel as though religious freedom is under attack in the United States. I do. No, I, I no, occasionally it's it is it is persistent. Well, so my point I guess was I think the pervasiveness of putting down religious beliefs, sincerely held religious beliefs is nothing compared to the pervasive negative influence that slavery and its practice oh, had on African-Americans, right? Nothing compared to what Native Americans went through. Right, but here's the thing, man. The thing that, that, the thing that confounds a lot of people is that the church of the Lord Jesus is in fact made up of a tapestry of white folks, black folks, Asians, Native Americans, you know, so there is no... No, of course, of course. But my point was that you are saying that it upsets you that you feel like your ideas are under attack from the left for the last 30 or 40 years. No, no, no. But all that thing, stuff has been happening way longer and is more in need of remediation, was my point. What I'm suggesting is it's not about really, I mean, in some sense, it's not really about how I feel. It's about the idea that state power can be, state coercion can be used to punish people who don't adopt a prevailing narrative. That's my concern, whatever it is. And there is this current philosophy that if you believe that, that's good for you. But, you know, you keep that at home. Keep that in your churches. Don't, don't. Do you think we should have prayer in public schools? No, not necessarily. I mean, I think we should permit. If the students want to pray, I think they should be able to. But it shouldn't be institutional. No, heavens no, man. We live in a nation of Jews, Buddhists, Christians, Muslims. Do you think that the First Amendment's freedom of religion also means freedom from religion? The ability to completely ignore religion? Well, yes and no. And I hate to speak out of both sides of my mouth. But look, you know, if you want to be an atheist in this country... Fine, but don't try to inhibit me in the public square, in the freest nation in the world, from sharing those things that I believe to be true. You are not free as an American citizen from ever running up against an idea that you find dissatisfactory, that you find offensive. The Supreme Court recently reaffirmed unanimously, I think, that there is no hate speech exception to the First Amendment. People are allowed to say really terrible, offensive things that hurt your feelings. We've all got to grow up and deal with it. People have said some things to me that just devastated me, but they're free to say those things, just like I'm free to tell them off and tell them what I think. We're in a place now where people are trying to silence opposing viewpoints. I mean, I think, you know, and I could give evidence of that, Charles Murray, uh, Evergreen College. Absolutely. I, I think you're making a great point. And we've been talking for a while And I agree with everything you just said. I think we finally got to a place where we agree. Oh, good. My only counterpoint to what you just said would be, I think atheists deserve the right to be able to espouse their view, which is that they don't care. And so to the extent that Christian freedom can get in the way of freedom from religion, I believe that religious freedom should be curtailed in favor of secularism as a broad goal. By secularism, I mean don't pick one religion over any other. Okay. But but I I agree with everything you just said, and I wanted to close with one question for you. Uh Uh-oh. If the Democrats put up a pro-life candidate for president in 2020, would you vote for him or her? 
Probably. Almost certainly. Yeah. And if the Democratic Party made room under its big tent or formerly big tent for pro-life thought, would you be willing to consider coming back to the Democratic Party? I would, as long as it wasn't like a, a long game, uh, you know, a long, <laughs> a long, a long con. Yeah, I'd have to think it through. But yeah, no, man. I mean, look, uh, the issue of life, uh, fundamental. We believe that in the womb, people are human, and therefore the human rights that we talk about all the time ought to be extended to them. Jesus is the main thing for me. And if the Democrats miraculously start behaving in a way that suggests they don't view us as pariahs, then yes, I would reconsider. You know, it's like Reagan said, I didn't leave the Democratic Party. The Democratic Party left me. Thank you so much for coming on Bricolage. No, thank you, man. I certainly have learned a lot today, and I hope that perhaps we've opened each other's minds to some perspectives we we don't often interact with. Let's do it again soon. Okay. Mad love, bro. We did it, everyone. Episode four is Brooks and done, mis amigos. Do you disagree with Brandon or I? Have an opinion on which Radiohead album is best? Questions about the scripture? Email podcastbricolage at gmail.com and teach me something. This has been Bricolage, created and hosted by Lev. Thanks for listening all the way to the end. Theme song, sponsor song, and trivia song written by Alex Schiff. Creative Commons attribution credits are in the text description of each episode. I hope you enjoyed it. If you did, please subscribe on iTunes and leave us a good review on the internet. And if you didn't, then maybe you do need another colonoscopy, Brad. You're certainly acting like there's something up your ass. (laughs) 